Brum and I are sitting here together. Again, we want to be able to talk about the Word of God together because I think it really, especially when we're talking about such a big subject, it's really powerful to be able to discuss the truths that are held in the scriptures that we're giving rather than just going through it very, very fast and just quickly. We're really slowing the whole thing down and thinking carefully about what we're imparting and what we're actually discussing with you guys. So just in summary, last week, we talked about the the importance of, of building according to a blueprint. And we began to talk about over the years and over the centuries and really since the beginning of time, mm. how God has mm. always been building something for mankind. And we, we looked at the different blueprints of how God would instruct different men along the, the ages, along the, the journey of, or the thread of redemption that we like to call it, That's right. of different things that they needed to build. And of course, we talked about Noah and how he had to build according to a blueprint or a pattern that God gave him exactly how he had to build the ark and then it was up to God to to display the supernatural aspect of bringing the animals this is what we read in that story okay the the supernatural act of bringing all the animals two by two into the ark that was no man could orchestrate that but that was a mm-hmm. clearly a story for us to be able to learn something about the, the nature of God and then of course we looked at Moses who built the tabernacle of meeting or the tabernacle of Moses we like to call it or the tent of meeting there are different ways that the Bible describes it and once again exact and had he couldn't deviate from the instructions from God God was the master builder and the master architect but Moses was the doer along with the helpers and they had to do it exactly and they couldn't do their own thing they had to do exactly as God wanted and then of course we saw the supernatural overflow of that once it was all built up the glory of God came into the holy of holies yeah. and visited with people and it was the beginning of the 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 salvation journey for the people of God for God having an entrance onto the earth to be able to redeem his people to be able to redeem mankind awesome so we you know we looked at the principle that the that the blueprint or the pattern precedes the glory or the supernatural act of God yeah. and which is kind of the promise or the ultimate expression of God's will we could call that that's the glory of God but then when the glory comes and the supernatural outpouring happens it actually validates and seals the very thing that was built it it validates the blueprint and says yes this is exactly how it should be because mm. it's been done it, it displays what God had planned all along and then of course we saw how David deviated from the plan he thought he had all the bells and whistles of how to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, but he actually mimicked the Philistines and he, he didn't get it right. And there was death. Uzzah stretched his hand out when the cart, you can go back and watch last week's to get all the details, but basically, you know, he didn't follow according to the pattern and the blueprint of God, how God wanted to usher in his glory. Uh, which was in the Ark of the Covenant. It was a very precious and holy thing. He didn't handle it correctly. Mm. He just had the externals and the form of celebration, but didn't follow God's truths and God's patterns. And so what happened? Death was associated. But then, of course, he obviously got it right because he studied it, gave instructions to his son Solomon. So by the time Solomon built the temple... They knew exactly how to usher in the ark of God's presence. And what happened? Second Chronicles 5, you can go back and look right. at it. The, the cloud of God's glory, the supernatural endorsement of God, the presence of God that we all hunger for and want 
any single human being who reads the stories in the Bible longs for that. Well, that did not happen accidentally. And that's what we saw last week, that the glory of God, the supernatural outpouring of God will happen and it will come and seal it, seal what, what, is, what human beings have partnered with God to do, to do if we build it yes. according to God's blueprint. So throughout the whole thing, pretty much you're presenting, it's demonstrated, it is demonstrated and it's clear on every step of the way there's a definite and clear instruction of what the pattern is supposed to be. Absolutely. Precise. God knows how to build everything. And then, of course, we fast forwarded and we began to talk about, well, the New Testament church because obviously all those things in the Old Testament were a shadow of things to come. And so now God is building his church and he began to build it on the day of Pentecost and we began to look at that. But see, what happens when we get it wrong? This is a really good question for us to ask ourselves. When we get it wrong, bad things happen. And we saw that demonstrated with David. People get hurt. If we don't build church correctly, if we Mm -hmm. don't build the church according to the original blueprint that God established, even when we look back at the the early church and how that was built, if we don't build according to the pattern, then we won't see the supernatural glory or the, the, the promise of God sealing and basically saying, yes, endorsing and validating the very pattern and the very blueprint that God ordained. And you know what? When we don't build church correctly, bruh, this is what I see. It's like user with, with, the, with the Ark of the Covenant being brought back on the, on the cart, just like the yeah, Philistines yeah, had done yeah. it. Because, because they weren't doing it correctly... He died mm. because the anger of the Lord was put against him. And I, all, all I know is that right now, 21st century church, if I were to say with very broad brushstrokes in general, mm. that I don't see a lot of the glory of God or the supernatural power of God in the church yeah. at the moment, including our own, to really seal as, a, as, a, as an endorsement or a validation of the blueprint that we uh, are using. Yeah. And so I think this is an amazing moment. Mm. I feel like God has grabbed grabbed us by the scruff of the neck as this church is saying, come on, guys, I'm trying to recalibrate. Yeah. I'm trying to, like you said, push the reset button. I know you've said that to me before. Push the reset button. Let's get back to the basics of what church should look like. Because when we don't build according to the correct blueprint, to the correct pattern, to the correct order that God wants, we we end up with a lot of hurt people. And the world right now is full of a lot of bitter Christians. And, And a lot of people who deep down still really love God, but they've had enough of the church. Because church... The church structure, the church way of doing things on not every church. Of course, this is a very broad thing to say. Yeah. But a lot of 20th and 21st century methodology of church building has in actual fact really hurt a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I I was thinking of uh, Paul's writing concerning the building of the church. Yeah. Uh, in, this, in this writing, I'm just going to read the scripture here. It, it, it's really interesting. He said, By the grace of God, or by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a, as like an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. And then he made a statement here, 
but each one should be careful how he builds. Yeah. For wow. no one, okay, can lay any foundation other than that one or other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So I think... So in other words, so what's it saying? We have to be very careful, very, right? Yeah, so he said the foundation has to be the right one. It's like no one, okay? That he was very... And what, very doesn't emphatic. it go on to say if you do it wrongly, what will happen? Well, it's a thing though, like, okay, number one, I see, you know... And, and we're going to talk about that in a sec, yeah. but keep going, because I really love that passage. He said, uh, okay, other than the one already laid, which is Christ. Okay, in other words, the foundation, you know, yeah. there's no, no other way. And then he said, uh, uh, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, okay, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. So basically said, contrasting all yeah. the different methodologies and yeah. ways that we can build. His work will be tested. Yeah, everything will be tested. Okay. And then... And it is, Which kind of reinforces this yeah, truth, right? That yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, and then it will be it, it will be tested the quality of it, and the, the light the lighting is not very good. But anyway, and if what he has built survives, survives you know, he will receive his reward. If it's burnt up, <laughs> he will suffer, you know, suffer loss. However, he himself, he himself will be will saved. Be safe, but it was like by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, as if as yeah. if he literally just made it through. Yeah, escaped through the fire. fire yeah. So on the one hand, Paul is saying, just make sure the foundation is right. Yeah. Now on top of the foundation, there are we variants. We with God. Yeah, there are variants. People will build however they do it, but he said, but your work will be tested. So while on the on the one hand he he gives a leeway, okay, you're not gonna be, you're still go to heaven. Yeah. But your work will be tested. So wow. it gives some sort of leeways, and yet at the same time a warning. A so warning. Like, be careful how you build because the time will, That's amazing. will, will come whether you, what you build is, is be, a, be a complete loss. Doesn't or, that show you the partnership yeah. between yeah. us and God? Yeah. Noah had to partner with God. That's right. Moses had to partner with God. Yeah. David had to partner with God. You know, Abraham had to partner with God. Yeah. You know, Solomon had to partner with God. That's Everyone right. has to partner with the principles of God and build. Yeah. But we have to be mindful. That's an incredible um, passage of scripture to start yeah. this whole thing on. So, because the form, the form that we do build, in a sense, doesn't guarantee the existence of mm -hmm. the correct blueprint. And that scripture right. kind of says that. Yeah. yeah. Like. Just because you build this this thing on top of the foundation, you can't change the foundation. The foundation yeah. is what it is, and we're going to look at that in a minute. But we get to build, we get to choose. We either build with gold or with yeah. straw, yeah. with silver or with hay. You know, we, we we get to partner and build according to, um, you know, how we we choose to do it. But we've got to be very mindful. At the very end of our days, That's right. we might get to the end of our lives. Think we've built this incredible life and this incredible ministry for God, and the whole lot might be burnt up. Yeah. So we need to make sure that we build according to the blueprint of how God says in His words. And this is where mm. we always have to walk in humility to the truth of the Word of God. None of us have ever arrived. It's a constant going back to God and saying, Lord. Show us how to do this. Show us how to build. See, 
It's only when the outpouring of the glory of God came in in Acts chapter 2 that it really validated and endorsed the blueprint of what God was building. So clearly when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, you know, the people had been praying in the upper room. They'd been crying out to God and asking God, even though they didn't really know what was coming. They didn't know what what God was wanting to do. That's right. And yet when the Spirit (laughs) of God came, then Peter stood up, he began to preach. And like I think I said last week, you had the Word of God, you had the Spirit of God, and you had the repentance of the people. And on that one day alone, 3,000 people were saved, 3,000 men were saved. Yeah. And so instantly on day one they were off and running and you saw what we would call the glory of God what's the glory of God is that the redemption of people Mm. it's the blessing of the kingdom of God now coming and living in mankind it's it's more than just a great you know amazing church service that we might have no this is an ongoing lifestyle change that happened in those people it literally changed the course of their lives and their eternal destination but they got to live off the blessing of the promises of god being poured out Mm. and validating what they were building and how they were building and um that that's why you know jesus said in acts chapter 1 verse 8 he said to the disciples don't go anywhere you've got to wait in other words, there's a pattern that's going to happen here. There's a blueprint. In Luke 24:49, he also said, you know, go wait in the in the in the city that's right. until the, my father gives you the promise yes. that he's promised you. And then you will be clothed with power, but you've got to wait in that city until you receive what's been promised. So they waited and then and then Acts chapter 1 verse 8 before the day of Pentecost arrived, he said, when you receive power, in other words, you've still got to be waiting. You've got to be wait, waiting until you're clothed with power because mm. once you're clothed with power, then you can be my witnesses. Then you can be the displayers and the partners with me of my glory that I'm going to entrust into you, the power that I'm going to pour into you. You can then partner with me and, and stick to that blueprint, stick to that way of how I want you to build. He's saying, I'm the architect. Let me design this and let me give you, and you partner with me. And he said, then you will be my, you will, you will see my glory. First in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the outermost parts of the earth. And you know, what that's exactly what happened first of all in jerusalem bang three thousand people get saved then before we know it in acts chapter eight the samaritans Mm -hmm. because remember he says first in jerusalem then in judea then in samaria yeah so in other words he's going out in ever increasing spheres of influence then the samaritans get saved and baptized and and get filled with the holy spirit and once again peter gets used he gets used on the day of pentecost he gets used in samaria Mm -hmm. and then of course what happens in acts chapter 10 then the, the next fulfillment to the uttermost ends of the earth what happens in acts chapter 10 cornelius the gentiles And once again, God expands the kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit by speaking to Peter. Once again, using Peter. Interesting. Interesting that he used Peter again. In fact, when Jesus talked about the apostles, he says, first, there is uh, Peter, Simon Peter, and then he names all the the different apostles and the disciples. But he used Peter in a great way and and set the the foundations of the church on the apostles and the the prophets, on their teachings. And so you see the, the, the outcome almost of what he said, Bram. Mm. First Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then, of course, the Gentiles represents the rest of the world. It's really 
interesting because when you talk about pattern, right? Yeah. Now, Paul describes the church, we are in Christ. Yeah. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation, right? Yeah. So, so you got the, this idea of the first creation. Yes. And the new creation. Yeah. If I can just sort of venture a bit here. In the first creation, the, yeah. the forming of mankind, yeah. we had, he had the form yes. because it says God formed the, the man. man. Yes. And then before that man be, be, be became a living soul, it was the breath of God, the yeah. spirit of God that he got breathed upon him. He yeah. became a living soul. So, yeah. so here's the thing. Jesus taught the disciples everything, okay, in the new creation. Yeah. They were all there, the structure, the apostles, they were there. Yeah. But for that group of people to become a living soul, yeah. a new of a new creation, it was the breath of God once again. Yeah. The spirit of God. It's Always. like the pattern yeah, is the there. Yeah, the pattern is there. It's like the yeah. foundation and the breath of God. The, it's just like in, in the in See, creation. Could you imagine yeah. if we all just get back to the simplicity? Yeah. The simplicity. I feel like... We have made church so much of what it shouldn't be about. We have cluttered our church and our Christian experience. And we have lacked, let's face it, let's face it, guys, we've lacked the glory of God. And what is the That's glory? Right. It's, that, it's that incredible outpouring of the presence where supernatural things start to happen. Yeah. And we start to read the Bible and we start to long. And we go, why aren't we seeing that? But when we don't see the supernatural mm. presence and the glory of God, then... What happens is we, we just generally experience a lot of heartache. Yeah. And that's when churches fall apart, Christians, you know, get despondent and they leave God and leave church. And um, so I think it's time to go back to the correct way of doing it. It's really that's interesting. Right. I remember somebody in our church actually had a dream. Um, I think it might have just been last year. And, of course, dreams are subjective. But it's a really interesting dream in the context of what's happening mm. now. And in the dream, we were standing... Brahma and I were standing on a hill with, a, with an architect and a builder. And we looked back and we saw our old church building. A red, I think it was a red brick building or something. It had been burnt to the ground and it was rubble. And we looked back and we were almost a little bit yeah. surprised that it, that it had happened. And we thought, okay, we better go back with the architect and the builder to restore and to mm. rebuild, right? So we go back. I don't know if you remember this, Yeah, dream. yeah I remember, yeah. And we go back... Roughly. Roughly. And we go back to the to the site, ready with our architect and ready with our builder to start laying the plans of the vision. And we turned around and said, no, you know what? We're not going to rebuild that. And we looked over and found, do you remember? In the yeah, garden yeah, there was yeah, this yeah. little like a shed. And we said, no, we're going to start with this simple little thing here. And we went into the shed and it was this tiny little thing and dirty and ugly and everything. And the person who had the dream said, we just began to point to different places and said, we want that wall to look like that. We want that to go there. And there was this supernatural um, way of reestablishing and building something out of simplicity. And it, I'm pretty sure there might have been a little bit more to the dream, but what I remember, the essence of the dream was, it's almost like the way we've been doing church has gone. And it's a, it's okay, a, it's yeah, a new yeah. season. It's new a new season, new season yeah, to walk yeah. in a supernatural way of doing church. Yep, yep, and if yep. it means taking the simple things, I mean, hey, Jesus was born in a manger. He wasn't, yeah. you know, he didn't have to rebuild some incredibly glamorous structure to arrive as the king. Yeah. 
He was born in a manger. And I feel like God is saying, just refocus on the simplicity of how to do church and by faith begin to see with the eyes of the spirit of how to build. Okay? Mm. All right. So let's let's see. What is how is God building his church? Well, we've already kind of mentioned it. He's built his church. It's being built on Jesus Christ, but it's also being built by Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. So if we look at some verses that it tells us in, yeah, in right, Isaiah yeah. 28. Isaiah 28, verse 16. See, I lay in Zion a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. foundation. Yeah. All right. So this is Isaiah's seeing and he's prophesying what is to come. Mm. And he says this, this, this precious cornerstone is the one it talks about how it will be a sure foundation. And then he goes on to say the one who trusts will never be dismayed. I love that. Yeah. So Christ becomes that very foundation stone that Isaiah prophesies about. Yeah. So we learn that he's the foundation stone, which, of course, Paul goes on to yeah, talk yeah. about, which Brown yeah, read before. Right. Then the second thing we can learn is that Christ will build his church. He will build his church. We don't have to worry about that. We just partner with God. Yes. Just like yes. the early apostles and the, pro- and, yeah, the yeah. and the prophets, they partnered with the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a business plan for church. <laughs> you can see that in Acts chapter 10, yeah. when it took three times for, for the Holy Spirit to t- put Peter into a trance to get him off his nationalistic mindset of this is all about the Jews. Yeah? yeah, this yeah. is all about Israel, and he had to say three times, "It's okay to go and give the gospel right, the to Gentiles, the Gentiles, yeah. to what you would consider unclean." Yeah. See, God's always way ahead of us, guys. <laughs> He's yeah. way ahead yeah. of us. You know, so there's a time for for structure, and then there's a time for demolishing structure. Yeah. When Jesus came, when the cross happened, the old way of doing meeting with God was demolished just like in that dream that we just talked about I feel like Mm. the old way of doing church has been burnt to the ground and we're about to find out what it really looks like to do and to be the church and that's what happened with with the the apostles they were being led by the spirit of God they talk about having to stay sharp in the spirit they had to be praying all the time they had to know the word of God because at any point God was going to shock them and teach them a new way of doing church, That's which right. he did in Acts chapter 10. And then, of course, Peter had to go and explain it in Acts chapter 11 to all the big boys back up in Jerusalem. And when they heard that the glory of God came in Acts chapter 11, yeah. when they heard that these these Gentiles, Gentiles. in Cornelius's house had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they saw and heard them yeah. speaking in tongues the way they said they received the same gift, which was the Holy Spirit, as what we did at the beginning yeah. in Acts chapter 2. Yeah. They basically said, well, who are we to, to, to hold back these people? God is obviously opening up this truth to the, to the Gentiles. And once again, because they were building according to the pattern, the glory of God came and sealed the pattern. Mm. The glory yes. of God was poured out onto the Gentiles and said, this is how I'm building my church. See, we should be seeing. Wow. I'm getting so intense because I get so excited about excited, this. I get excited. so passionate about this. Yeah. We should be seeing a display of the power of God every time we get yeah. together. And God should be keeping us on our spiritual toes. When we get really comfortable in how to do church. Yeah. He says, no, you've all got way too comfortable. Let me let me pull the plug on all of this and let's start again. It's, it's really, <laughs> when you talk about the Cornelius situation, because if you look, read the, 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 uh, the story closely, yeah. Peter was so preoccupied 
with the the old mindset about the Gentiles being the unclean, even after yeah. the trance. Yeah, he, he was in, too yeah. troubled by it, wasn't yeah. he? He walked, like you said, it took him three times to obey the voice of God, and yet someone like Cornelius had the vision once, yeah, and he he's obeyed. Gone. He, because God's, he wasn't cluttered with yeah. these other religious mindsets. God appeared to him, send someone to Joppa yeah. and get Peter yeah. once, and he obeyed. he obeyed. Peter, a man of God, three times before he obeyed God, even when he arrived at, at wow. uh, Cornelius' place, he said, you realize I'm not supposed to be here because I'm a Jew, you're Gentiles. He was still <laughs> going on about it. Yeah. And yeah, then yes. it was as if... He was struggling yeah. with that thought. When I see... Because the, the powerful part of this whole story was that yeah. while Peter was preaching, he, it says the Holy Spirit came yeah. and the manifestation was there while he was preaching. As if the Holy Spirit interrupted well, his he sermon. In, yeah, absolutely. He took and over. My imagination, okay, I'm being creative here. Because up to that point, Peter was kind of like, okay, I'm not supposed to be here, blah, blah, blah. It was like the Holy Spirit like going like this. Okay, get out of the way. I'm just going well, <laughs> to, I'm going to show up. He endorsed and he validated. Yeah. Because it was like, Peter, okay, fine, great. Because you know what the blueprint is? It's yeah. so simple, Brum. Peter, by this stage, is probably thinking, okay, in Acts 2, 38 and 39, I've stood up in, in on the day of Pentecost yeah, and I've yeah. said, okay, because, you know, the guys have cried out, oh, what must we do to be saved? Well, you have to repent. Then you That's have to right. be baptized in water. Yeah. Then you need to receive the gift, which is the Holy Spirit, who will be poured out upon yeah. all of you and for all generations, right? So in his mind, he's, he's already struggled with the thought, why would I go to the Gentiles? And like three trances later, he's okay, gets there, he's still struggling. And so he does, he says, well, at least I'll preach. I'll preach the word. But, you know, hey, even if they were to repent, it's God that's got to grant them repentance, but I don't know if I'm allowed to baptize them in water. I, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. you know, the pattern is in his mind, I've already developed a church pattern here. You've got to repent, you've got to be baptized, then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But God always wants to smash our little minuscule understanding of how we need to do church. That's right. And so as Peter's preaching the word of God, because he's prepared to go that far by now, mm. right? Yeah. Because he's there. He's been kind of dragged along by God. God's kind of grabbed him by the ear and said, you get down there and you talk to these people. But I don't believe he had it in his mind. I'm going for a, a big evangelistic meeting here and I'm going to see them all baptized in the, the water. Right. I don't think he had that in his mind. Yeah. because of what played out at the end of chapter 10 and into chapter 11. So as he's preaching, these people believed God granted them the gift of repentance. They must have yes. repented in their hearts. Next thing is they begin to pray in tongues because they could see it. The disciples said they could see and hear what was happening because they said yeah. the same gift that we received at the beginning That's was right. what we saw them receive, which is the gift of of the person of the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Yeah. the gift of the giver of gifts. Don't confuse it with 1 Corinthians 12 gifts. We're talking about the gift, him, the, the giver himself, the Holy Spirit, and the sign was praying in tongues. And so then he's like, well, if they've already received that step, <laughs> then, right. hey, who am I to hold them back? They That's need to be right. baptized in water. See, God wants to shake us out of our our man-made methodologies, yeah. methodologies of how to do church. Yeah. He wants us to be people who are led by the Spirit of God, led by the truth of the Word of God, but know how mm. to minister, not just know the theology of the Holy Spirit, but we need to know how to minister with, with the, Holy the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And that means yeah. He keeps us on our toes. Yeah. 
We need to be people who are praying, who are fasting, who are reading the word of God and who are listening to God and letting him instruct us and then being obedient to step out. So we see that the Christ is the foundation stone. We haven't even got halfway through, Bram, and we're nearly half an hour in, so we're going to have to finish in a minute. Um, But we see that it's built on Jesus, but it's also built by Jesus. And you know how we know that? Because it says in Matthew 16... Verses 15 to 19, it says this. But what about you, he asked. This is Jesus saying to Peter. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my My church. church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I shall give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, there are quite a few things in there that we can talk about. We can talk about on this rock. What rock? Well, that already has many and varied belief systems. If you ask the Catholics, it's the rock of Peter being the first pope. If you ask Pentecostals, they'll say it's the rock of revelation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Are there any other ways of looking at on this rock? Because it's almost like it doesn't really matter because the emphasis is actually, I will build my church. That's right. But I think also others have argued that, you know, because some people have taught Peter is not the rock, but the, his confession is, is the rock. Yeah, the rock and of revelation, revelation that Jesus is and the somebody, Christ. And somebody, yeah. somebody uh, wrote, it's the Protestants' overreaction to the Catholics' claim. That's why they like, yeah. all kinds so, of... So, yeah. you know what, you can go down all the rabbit yeah. holes of what does it really mean? But you know what, the bottom line is, either way, Jesus is the builder. That's right. He's the master architect. Because it says, on this rock... I will build my church. And you yeah. know why that's so significant? Because that word church is actually ecclesia. And it's actually a word that describes, in fact, in, in Acts chapter 7, verse 38, it says, this is the one who was in the ecclesia or the congregation or the church in the wilderness. That word ecclesia, it just means the, the, the called out people of God. And so in Acts chapter 38, it actually calls the people of Israel, the, mm-hmm. the congregation in the wilderness, they, he calls them the ecclesia or the church in the wilderness, which just means the people of God. So he says, this is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel yeah. who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai. So, of course, he's referring to Moses. So here's Jesus now using the same word. He said, I will build my ecclesia, Mm, which is really powerful. So he's he's basically making a statement that he's now the the Messiah who is coming and he's causing this new assembly, this new ecclesia, this new congregation, this assembly of people to be reconstituted. It's pretty pretty powerful. And he's basically saying that as members of the, the Messiah's Ecclesia, yeah. um, <clears throat> this basically is going to sum up the corporate identity that you will have as the new international people of God. Because he goes on to say that the gates of Hades, what does that really mean? That That's the gates of death. 
the gates of death will not prevail against us. In other words, the gates represent the... I'm reading out of a uh, commentary here uh, that is written by Gordon Fee. The gates represent the imprisoning power of death. Death will not be able to imprison and hold the church of the living God. So Mm. the imagery here is... I will build my congregation, my assembly as the Messiah, as the son of the living God that God that the Father has just mm-hmm. revealed to you. I will build my church. Yeah. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And we want to talk about that next week. I will give you the keys of the kingdom which basically demonstrated a whole new level of authority as human beings partnering with with this builder, with this master builder, with this architect. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the the imagery is that death will be unable to swallow up this new community that Jesus is building. It will never be destroyed. You know what's amazing? When you think about it, you know, we look at the, the world at the moment and we see the superpowers, America, China, Russia, yeah? But if you look at the history of humanity, mm-hmm. there have been empires even greater than the ones we see today that have risen and they have fallen and now we just read about them in our history books no one knows knows them we don't have instagram photos of them or you know social media content about any of them they're they're dead and gone not only the players and the the actors in those things but the actual empires themselves are completely gone the only empire the only kingdom that stands above all that is the kingdom of heaven that's right. And there's been this plan of redemption, yeah. this thread of redemption since yeah. the beginning of humanity. It's the enduring kingdom. The that's enduring how the kingdom. Bible describes it. Yeah. And so that's why Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my people. And that's yeah. and, and it will it will never die. The gates of death will not be able to swallow it up. Mm. So so far we've seen Christ is the foundation stone laid in Zion. And Zion, what does Zion represent, Brown? Zion represents a place where God, where God reveals His glory. I mean, yeah. you know, if you look from the, is where the house of God is, where the temple of God is. Yeah. But bring it into the New Testament, we are the Zion. That's right. We become right. the New Zion. So He's the new, He's the foundation stone laid in Zion. He will build His church, yeah. and we see also that He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. He is the true foundation stone laid by the Father in Zion, in the spiritual mm-hmm. Zion. On, on whom the whole church rests, but he's also the cornerstone. Yeah. He's also the cornerstone. And we can read that in, in Ephesians 2, verse 20 to 22. And we might have to wrap up in a minute, but it says that he, we are being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined, joined together. together. Yeah. And rises or is growing to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Mm. Oh, interesting, because that is pretty much the same, even though Peter used a different language. When he described this new temple, he described living stones coming to him. Yes. And uh, being built into a, a spiritual temple. Yeah. That's what... But but the amazing thing here is that we can see that he is the cornerstone. He's the true foundation stone. He's the cornerstone. He's also the capstone, which is a a picture of a a 
stone that basically ties two intersecting yeah. walls together. It holds the whole yeah. building together. So he's our foundational cornerstone and he's our top headstone or capstone. You know, the Bible describes Jesus as the first and the last, the beginning mm. and the end, the alpha and the omega. Mm. Interesting. And the other aspect we can learn is also that Jesus is the, the stone that the builders rejected. Yeah. So I don't know if we want to keep going or maybe we finish here. Yeah, I think that was Because there's a lot, lot more to say yeah. about this. But guys, this is this is what, what how, if we want to wrap it up now, how do we wrap it up, Bram? Because they've got to go and have their Father's Day lunches. Yeah, well, if you want to wrap it up, you talk about congregation. So in other words, when God's people congregate. Yes. You know, uh, so uh, so it's 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 the, the the coming together of His people. That is a temple, and it's not. Like we, we talked, you know, last week and today, pretty yeah. much we mentioned about it's not the form of it, but the pattern of yeah. Jesus as the foundation, yeah. the Holy Spirit as the life of, of you know, yeah. that breathes life. Yeah. And then the building as the, the people, you know, the congregation. Yeah. The congregation. So if that is pretty much the pattern so far. Yeah. If those ingredients are very important. Yeah. Of course, the church without people is not church. That's right. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, and uh, so we can talk about that next week. Yeah, we can bring that so, up again next week yeah. and pick pick it up again next week. Yeah. So let's just finish here, and I want us to end with, with uh, we're going to sing that song again. All glory to your name, because Jesus. he is he is the solid rock on which we stand. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundational rock, the foundational stone. He is the cornerstone. He holds the whole building together. He's the master architect. He's the builder. It's mm. built on him. It's him. So let's celebrate who he is and let's give all glory to his name. So let's sing that. And uh, But let's just pray for you first. Pray that you have an incredible day together as families and, and honoring your fathers. Um, let's just pray. Why don't you pray, Mum? Yeah. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, bringing us into your, your, your word says, we are in our family of God. Yeah. And in this special day, especially we are celebrating the, the Father's Day, Lord, you are the ultimate Father. Yes, you are. So, and we thank you, Lord, that you model, you have modeled what Father is, is meant to be. And uh, I pray for us fathers that, yeah, let us be fathers that reflect who you are as our Father. And uh, bless the family, bless us, bless everyone Lord, as as we, uh, whether you know, obviously through through uh, one, one, not necessarily in one home, but but through uh, through telephone call or Zoom call, whatever, we still have the spirit of celebration of, yes, of fatherhood and the fatherhood of God. Bless, bless your family, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Let's go out singing this song and giving all glory to his name. Yes, Lord. Awesome. Love you guys. <laughs>